Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome to The Watching Dead, the officially unofficial podcast for The Walking Dead on AMC. I'm Jim. I'm Aaron. And today we're talking about Season 11, Episode 2, titled Acheron Part 2. Uh, this is a feedback episode, so I think we'll just throw it right over to Aaron, see what the audience is talking about. Yeah, we had uh, a lot of people with a lot of things to say, and uh, I'm happy to talk about it. Uh, if you want to send in feedback to the feedback edition of The Watching Dead episode, it's easy to uh, send an email to watchingdead at baldmove.com. And uh, we'll talk about it. First up, uh, the very, very sexily named Aaron says, Hot Take was a term coined by Jim Rome for the Jim Rome radio show, which started in late 1990s and grew in popularity in the early 2000s. You remember that I had hmm. a vague, like, I, I feel like this came out of the sports culture. Like, I don't know why, but like, I feel like that's the first time I saw it. And as bro sports culture kind of merged with online culture in the 2010s. It just became kind of like this thing. Now it's cross pollinated everywhere. Um, he says he would refer to callers, two or three minute sports opinions as takes. And as they progressively came to attempt to be more like Jim Rome, talk like Jim Rome, think like Jim Rome, be like Jim Rome. The more like Jim Rome, you can sound the more impressed he was with your call and your take got racked, rack him. And your take, if your take sucked, he'd hang up on you and then shame you. As far as I know, that's where the concept of the take began. Uh, I, so I don't know. Like the, the thing about this is, uh, <laughs> people are like, this is a bizarre thing. Why would you listen to a show called the Jim Rome show where they behave like this? I, I don't know. Sometimes dudes get up to weird shit. Uh, WWE, uh, nut tapping the Jim Rome show. I, there was a time when I had started working a desk job where I was my regularly mind numbingly bored. I got to listen to like talk radio and you just like, God, any, and I remember when uh, a lot of the, my coworkers would listen to Jim Rome and I'm like, I don't know what you see in this guy. Three months later, I was successfully converted into a Jim Rome guy. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Yeah. So there you go. That's hot take. That's where it came from. Boston Rob seems like a guy. Yeah. Who would have been a teenager about the time of the fall and would have been like really rehearsing the Jim Rome takes hoping, hoping not to get hung up on every week he tries. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, uh, he says, you guys rock. It's like sitting around with my best buds chatting about content. Love every minute. Well, thank you, Aaron. Yeah. And uh, uh, I like the cut of your jib. Fellow Hoosier Laura writes in and says, hey, guys, during the opening credits for season 10, there is a shot of a stained glass window pane windmill. The view then opened wider, showing three other stained glass tree panes in the tree with the windmill one. And they also flourished with like, you know, flowered forth with leaves to show the communities flourishing. 
In the season 11 opening credits, all the panes have now been cracked and destroyed. Oh, the windmill is Alexandrian and it's cracked, a.k.a. Alexandria is fucked up beyond all recognition. The other three panes must represent Hilltop, Kingdom, and Oceanside. Is this a hint, plus the hmm. fact that Alexandrians haven't mentioned Oceanside as an answer to the food shortage problem, the show's <laughs> way of yada yada yadding the Oceanside fallen? God. Does this mean we won't see the professor again? Uh, other than the professor, I can't think of any other memorable characters from Oceanside. So, not a huge loss character-wise, but it seems like a big plot hole to me. I'm shocked, because I think we kind of... Des- First of all, what is oceanside being destroyed even mean it was kind of like a gilligan's island grass hut affair oh your grass huts got burned through the ground or knocked in gee whiz where will you find more five minutes to fix yeah where will you find more uh, fucking grass and palms and shit i don't know by the beach somewhere uh yeah like (laughs) what the hell you know where will you find wood to rebuild docks oh my god what you know, where will you find cordage to make nets? This is the I, I don't I don't understand. Like, how do you destroy Oceanside? I don't know. I, I also don't know why. Is Luke not with them? I I haven't seen Luke since last season. Uh, the, the, like, like since the Maggie, the like, like, since the, like the first bonus episode. I think that they or the hospital is, or whatever. Yeah, I don't I don't know. No, I don't think I don't think Dr. Dr. Luke, the professor, whatever his name is. I, I don't think he's been killed. I just don't think we've we've seen him as much. OK, I, I guess I maybe he's back at Alexandria, like helping to not fix the wall like everybody else. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, if he's not back there and I haven't seen him in a long time, he's got to be still at Oceanside, which means it wouldn't be destroyed. But then their food problem shouldn't be as much of a problem. So I don't know. I'm just, I'm still outraged at the slander about Reg's walls. These cold rolled steel walls have stood against so much. Like what, what they do start a little boy scout fire at the base of this wall. (laughs) Whisper flames can't melt steel beams, man. I'm sorry. No, I'm sorry. It's just, this is, this is, this is horseshit. Yeah. Campfire's not going to get it done. Oceanside's been disappeared like some kind of Soviet propagandist, you know, like, oh, this is this was a failed uh, uh, comrade Oceanside facility. It's going to be we're just going to pretend it never happened. I, I, I don't get it. I don't Oceanside's get it. going to be the new Roanoke. I heard about some <laughs> civilization on the beach. Yeah, they just disappeared one time. I, I, yeah, yeah, because that's the thing is like, f- I think food shortage is pretty much over if you have the ocean. You know, yeah. especially an ocean that's recovered from overfishing because uh, the whole world got shut down 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, you'd, you'd have fish out your ass. I, I don't I don't get it. I don't get it. Um, Let's move on to Robin says, hey, guys, Robin from Georgia here again. I've got some thoughts on part one and part two of uh, this year. Archon situation. Uh, the Maggie of six years ago was a Maggie who desperately wanted to kill Negan, but was so sickened and disgusted by how fundamentally weak and pathetic he had become that she decided it wasn't worth killing him and that leaving him alive was a much darker punishment. I think this is uh, essentially stating that this is this is a plausible reason why Maggie would come back and not be over it, because she would expect that Negan would still be into his wretched state. Um, and he'd be the even more decrepit and wasted away. But instead, he's flourishing. He's moisturized. He's unbothered. He's in his lane, uh, and it's it's really triggering her. That's like setting up a GeoCities page 
1999, coming back six years later to a fresh-faced website and going, what the fuck? I set up this website. You guys changed it? Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, she. I can see... <laughs> You know what, man, killing you is too good for you, Negan. And then leaving six years later and coming back and he's like halfway wormed into solid citizen and being like, oh, what the fuck? That's well, maybe she should have stayed and had a say in that if she really wanted, you know, participation points here. Yeah. Yeah. Not much sympathy for for Maggie in these parts. But uh, I, I know. I mean, I. I understand him. In fact, I'm not annoyed. And I have decided that I am now not annoyed by the way Maggie's handled the situation. It's all Negan. Like I, mm-hmm. and it, I'm not even annoyed because like, was it, were it not for the fucking Negan episode, the here's Negan episode, I wouldn't even be annoyed at that. Yeah. Yeah. But like, that was a hell of an episode and you guys are fucking moonwalking it back. And mm-hmm. I, I don't, yeah, I don't get it. I don't get it. Uh, Negan's response to Megan to leaving Maggie behind. Okay. Who cares? It was perfect. There's no way he tried to explain or excuse it. He did it. Uh, let's move on. Um, I mean, that is literally what happened, and that is what I'm going to have to do. But I also think that it wasn't a strategic thing to do. But I don't know. Maybe is it possible I'm hanging too much on this whole fight for me? Because, again, he canonically fought for her by punch, by beating a dude into the hospital that interfered with her song. And she approved of that because she said dude had it coming. Um, so like, I don't know, yeah. maybe I just, I saw something that wasn't there in this episode. It could be. Um, I guess I don't totally know what fight for me, uh, means in this context. And yes, you're right. She kind of approved of the violence to a certain degree. So who knows? Uh, I guess we'll just take it as it comes with Negan. Yeah, I mean, what clearly Negan thinks he overstepped his bounds and fighting for her with the whole Lucille thing and the barbed wire thing and the, you know, sex cult thing like he those are things. But like maybe I Mm -hmm. was wrong and that he's going to do a one eight. He's still going to essentially be. He's going to be like Negan. He's going to Negan's going to infiltrate Alexander the same way he did with the whispers by being a brash asshole. Like he didn't play it safe when he was trying to navigate the treacherous waters of Gamma and Beta on his way to, you know, knifing Alpha. He always was. So, like, I don't know. I'm I'm willing to admit that I'm wrong, but I'm also also maybe not willing to admit that I felt like I got jerked around a bit by the, the Negan episode. Mm hmm. But I could be wrong about that, too. Uh, the questioning about bowel movements and wiping on the part of the processor seems strange, a bit random until the purpose became clear to me in part two. OK, OK. Are you ready for this, Jim? Oh, yeah. No, I am. Counselor Yumiko rocks after she told the interrogators that all she had gleaned from their clues and environment and princess asked about the toilet paper. The point of the bowel movements questions became clear. If you're eating real food on a regular basis, your elimination habits will show that. If you live in a big, organized, wealthy settlement, you might have toilet paper. Two little details that can show a lot about a place. I mean, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. <laughs> I don't know that I could tell the difference. It, it is an exhaustive application process. Yeah. Um, Are I they taking it, samples? I, I unironically can wonder how it compares to like a modern... Um, immigrant processing or like a like a refugee processing thing. Like, I wonder if they're this, like, fucking invasive. I've heard that, like, if you, like, fly, even as a tourist, fly to Israel for any reason, they can get really fucking crazy with the questioning. Um, But, like, I don't know if that's, like, the the par for the course or that's just, uh, 
you know, a state in a real hotbed. But um, yeah, if 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 they're they're gonna learn by the wiping and all that, uh, then uh, then sure. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna go with that. Uh, then finally, Chekhov's waterline. I was sure the subway would flood and our people would be swept up and have to fight walkers while trying not to drown, which would have been awesome. No, from a production standpoint, that's probably impossible, though, and the action inside the train car was gripping and scary, but still, comment from Negan was wasted and didn't rise to the level of red herring t- for me. Here's the thing. This is the soft bigotry of low expectations. <laughs> the Walking Dead, absolutely with a fraction of the budget that's been lavished on things like the expanse and game of Thrones flooded a subway tunnel or built a fact, a hundred foot long facsimile and like have a, like a little mini raging river, like, you know, a fucking uh, amusement ride with, and you know, just, uh, they could have done it. It it would have been expensive. Mm -hmm. It would have been like, you know, something you only spend, uh, you know, a couple once a season on set piece kind of thing. But they could have done it. They're just not going to because they're cheap bastards. That's not like that's not yeah. a fifty million dollar project. That's not even no, probably no. a million dollar project. We're being we're being honest. He could probably do this in Nick Tara's backyard in his pool. Yeah, yeah. I I feel but uh, just when get you like said a carport, that, put the top over it. You're good. You're good. When you said that, I immediately realized like yes, and that's the kind of thing I think the show could do to be a shot in the arm is to do stuff we haven't seen before and like a. Uh, the Hobbit style raging river with zombie teeth gnashing. And it's just like a fucking, you know, shit show. And that would be really exciting. It would be a real fucking set piece. It'd probably be gripping, especially if a, 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 a person or two dies that we medium care about. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I feel like the, I wish, I wish the show did that. And if the show, you know, that's the thing is like, if the show did that once or twice a season for the last uh, seven, eight seasons, you know, the, the whole Whole structure of the show would have uh, been different. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, let's move on to Nicole. Even under the best circumstances, uh, it's difficult to understand what the Walking Dead showrunners are smoking when they set up scenarios that make no logistical sense. This is a true statement. Add that to the network calling the shots on when and how episodes air, and I don't know what to make of Archeron, uh 1 and 2. If these are meant to be aired together, then the entire plot of going into the tunnels to avoid the storm, pushing on at all costs, only to hunker in the train car for 40 minutes, unable to deal with even the most baser of walker mobs. Decaying zombies can break the glass of the train car door, but shoulders and company with the crowbars can't. Only to come up to clear skies and not a drop of water seems ridiculous to follow in one sitting. However, by watching them in a week at a part, seeing the silver-haired guy running up to Darrow like, Am I supposed to know who this guy is? <laughs> him giving up his weapons to Daryl with the proverbial tell my kid speech only to see him show up after Daryl John Wicks, the entire mob of zombies. Yeah. 
that Maggie's crew of best fighters couldn't handle is a story whiplash that not even Daryl's Morningstar can cool points away. Is anyone on the Walking Dead payroll even watching what is happening and questioning how to make sense before they say, this will do, ready to air as is? I don't know which is worse, the show ruining its own story with characters still handling situations like it's day one of the apocalypse, or AMC pulling strings to manipulate the understanding of plot development, all to get viewers to pay an extra eight bucks a week for their frustration. Rack it! Rack this call, Jim! We're running this back at the end of the show. This is, this hot is the take. hot take of the... Okay. Yeah, yeah. They've they've successfully copied our our, our rant and our tone. Yeah. Uh, this, is, this is good. I'm racking this take. Uh, <laughs> I mean, the, the best production... I mean, this is what you pay professionals for. Not, not what we're seeing in Walking Dead, but to eliminate the problems that we're seeing in Walking Dead, which is narrative threads that don't quite connect. Um, there, there is such a thing as being, like, too close to a thing um, to see, you know, the bigger picture, and the bigger picture here being the narrative threads. But if you're a good writer and you're working in Hollywood, so you're probably, you should be a good writer, then you see those things. You're able to step outside of how close you are to the script and and the narrative you understand in your head and see what's on the page, see if it actually connects, see what's on the screen when you get to the editing. And and if it doesn't work, you got to go back and you got to do something. You got to either do some do a couple of reshoots, which, you know, with AMC, who knows if that's even possible if they go back and do reshoots. Yeah. Uh, or you need to like cut things out that just don't make sense. Like the the dude showing up in the tunnel with Daryl, they should just cut that, right? Like, okay, what is the consequence of him coming back? Is just a dude to kill in the next scene or whatever? Like chop off his hand and his his leg or something? Yeah, he died here and like he served a plot point of A, vindicating Maggie of like, oh my God, look how bad it is up there. B, uh, if you're wondering if, if they're going to find the guns in the tunnel up ahead, that's not going to happen. Like, but you I can just see cut bringing that. him you cut back. It. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, he essentially all you got to do is dress up. Who is the? I've already forgotten this fucking kid that got chomped in front of us. Shitty teen. Jude. What? Yeah, shitty teen. Shitty teen. Shitty teen. If you just sprayed his outfit with blood and gave him the dialogue, oh my god, you should have seen how bad it was up there. It's fucked. It's fucked. We lost the guns. We lost everything. You just successfully trimmed the old man scene out. Yeah. I, I don't know. I don't know. And that's like, I'm in an uncomfortable position because like I have been praising Kang and her new direction mm-hmm. to the heavens for the last two seasons. And then I got kind of called out a bit on the, uh, on that uh, with the people catching up to her, their takes and, and the six bonus episodes. And I'm like, I don't know. Am I being gaslit? Am I gaslighting myself? Am I what? I mean, the, it, Correct me if I'm wrong, but it's possible for somebody who does a good job for a little while to then start doing a bad job, right? But I, why? Why the with the final season? And I know, you I know, know, and and I don't know because like they also shot a lot of really good action. Mm-hmm. And but like, I, yeah, I I don't know because I felt like they're doing such a good job of of using the rich backstory of some of these characters. And who has got the law? You know, like Maggie and Negan. That's great. And there's a lot of different ways you could approach it. And I just feel like they're taking the least interesting thing that kind of ignores the last season and a half of what I've seen out of Negan. But yeah, I don't and it's know. not the only part of this show. I think the other parts of this show are working better, right? The yeah. stuff in Commonwealth, I think, is working better. You're right. If not saying perfectly, but it's definitely working better. Um, yeah. So 
you know, we'll see what they do after this. I, I'm not ready to write off this final season after the first two episodes. No, of course. But, but people, they need people to step mad. it up. Yeah. People mad because like, you know, if you're a beleaguered fan coming back for the final, you know, like, you know, what's the final season? Those last couple seasons have been pretty good. Hey, you know, we had a sagging middle, but we can we can in this thing hold holding our head up high like this has got to be feeding into a lot of your fears. Mm -hmm. Um, I want to continue because the the hot take ain't over. Nicole says last week, I was a little annoyed to watch the group tiptoe through a warehouse of sleeping zombie soldiers. while I ask out aloud, why don't they just stab them all in the head and then clean house and take all the goods? That was actually in my show notes to talk about. I had the like, why aren't they just ganking heads as they're tiptoeing past? Then it's like you got the danger in front of you, but like all the danger behind you is is neutralized. I, I don't fucking know. Daryl could drop one of those grenades he's got in there, right? <laughs> that might be, I don't know, fuck up the MREs and stuff. But like, yeah, the silent ganking in a approach. different room. It'll be fine. Let's imagine my shock to watch them stab heads and body bag zombies in the tunnels 20 minutes later. Mm-hmm. Like yeah that's a lot of whiplash this week i felt like every scene has asked me to pay no attention to obvious setups and next steps but watch as we dazzle you with monologues and dramatic pauses never thought i'd say thank goodness for eugene he really made the episode he did. i'm more interested in the commonwealth than any stakes <laughs> that they may be with maggie and her merry gang of red shirts yeah you're right phrases i don't think i would have heard three years ago mm. uh, uh uh mr mr burton uh yeah i i don't know that's that's some wild shit do you think that there's trouble ahead with networks interfering with the show's natural progression it's one thing when apple tv does it to ted lasso by releasing three episodes that were supposed to be viewed as a single arc on a weekly basis because i trust ted lasso to still make sense at the end of the day it's another thing to play games with a show that's on shaky ground to begin with will the money hungry execs destroy what little hope remains of the walking dead I wouldn't bet against it because like I said this as a joke three, four weeks ago, but I'm starting to want, I'm starting the icy grip of, of cold horror is starting to grab my heart and think, what if I'm right? What if Angela Kang was rolling because she learned how to make do with the modest budget and like really lean into writing. And then AMC's like, Hey, thanks for really getting stabilizing things. Uh, we got, we got all these bags of money. We got to give them to Frank Darabont. Yeah. And uh, Kirkman and all these guys and uh, the the budgets are going to get slashed. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know, because I it could be covid, you know, the fact that they've disrupted working situations, living through a real life. pain. I mean, I don't know. Fuck, I'd, I'd have a hard time probably writing for a zombie show in the, the present circumstances. It just sucks. Yeah, it sucks. But again, it's two episodes in. Ryan in Rochester. So the subway car was a narrow one point in one point out situation. Shouldn't there have been a stack of dead zombie bodies blocking the way for the rest of them to get through? Should have been. Did the, did the dead zombies just disappear? The physics of this just don't work at all. You know what? It's like in those games where you kill something and because the bodies on the floor would eventually affect a frame rate, they just kind of dissolve. Like in, in Gods yeah. of War, they dissolve into like flame or something. That's what's happening. I mean, the only thing holding together a walker body is demonic powers, right? So when you kill a walker and unleash Mm -hmm. the demon from within, it just kind of disintegrates, I assume, into ash. Yeah, like the new Doom remakes, you know, they just uh, they they, they just whiff up Mm -hmm. because they're yeah, that's the only explanation. (laughs) But Um, yeah, you're 100 percent right. There should have been after the first like eight walkers that were killed. Problem solved. You've got a yeah. Thermopylae level wall here that no walker is getting through. 
Yeah, this is the Battle of Thermopylae, except for the hot gate is one and a half foot wide. Right. Like, yeah, you <laughs> you stack. Yeah, those guys just become fucking body bags and uh, they, they're not body bags, sandbags to hold back the dam. And I mm-hmm. yeah, it's 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 real dumb. And the more you think about it, the dumber it gets. But uh, yeah. hey, Daryl, John wicked his way through that subway and miraculously didn't shoot anybody. It was cool. <laughs> it was cool. Uh, Stacy from Kansas. So you guys said you liked it when Negan had what Negan had to say about there's a big difference between killing you and not helping you. And then y'all said you didn't like how they immediately distracted us by watching a shitty teen die. First of all, that was Jim, not y'all. We we we, oh, we identify ourselves at the beginning of the podcast for a reason. This is this is Jim hate, not not Aaron hate necessarily. Well, shitty teen hadn't tried it. to just murder Negan, so <laughs> there's a big difference between not helping someone who's declared they're going to murder you the first chance they get. All right, and well, murdering a state- shitty teen. Here's what Stacy has to say about your take. Okay. Uh, I feel like they were showing us or rather the entire group that what Negan did by not saving Maggie and Maggie not choosing to help shitty teen were the same thing. So I had no choice but to drop it. I think Maggie realized that while her and Negan are not the same, she now understands that she's just as capable of doing shitty things for the self sake of self-preservation. So I'm picturing off screen that shitty teen has been whispering into Maggie's ear every time the rest of the group turns around. I'm going to get you. I'm going to fuck it. The first chance I get, you're done. You fucking came back from Georgie and you think we're going to take you back in. Fuck no. We we bully all newcomers here. <laughs> it's what we do. Yeah. Yeah. Going to fucking get you and, and, and Herschel Jr. too. Uh, no, I, I like right. that line because the fundamental difference is Maggie had threatened to murder Negan. Also, so. the other difference is Negan offering her a hand up does not, you know, zombies can't, I, I guess zombies could climb Maggie like a human ladder and overwhelm the humans. But like opening up the door, if they couldn't quickly, they had to break it. They had to like wrench it open, right? With their fucking. But it's stupid. It's stupid because oh god it's so stupid because they okay they're breaking the doors open as they get up because they're using the crowbar they're gonna shut back afterwards but then they get trapped because they can't go backwards because and then they show that like i i think that there was like uh i think to explain it they showed like a subway bench that had been uprooted and pushed over against the door but how did that happen behind them who did that gage The shitty team went out, locked him in, and then came around the back. Maybe that's that justifies it. He did try and yeah. murder them all. Yeah, he did. He was this. He was working with the zombies. They just betrayed him. Yeah. Uh. Yeah. I. Yeah. I. I. I don't. I don't know. Um. Because I. This, that's the thing. It's like I. I know that's what the show wanted you to think, but like it's really not the same situation. You know, it's like if a if a waiter accidentally spills soup on you. Um, and then you go and get a flamethrower and hose them down. Like, oh, we're just spilling liquids on each other. Like, no, it's uh, it's, it's there's intent and you know uh, pr- motivations and all the things that get you convicted of murder in in a court of law. You know, <laughs> sure. Anyway, um, I agree the ammo excuse is weak at best, but I think Maggie Negan's standoff is going to subside. I'm yeah, I mean it has to, right? Because mm-hmm. what's not going to happen is Negan's not going to kill Maggie, and Maggie's not going to kill Negan. Not until much later in the show, anyway. Yeah, honestly, the, the show had balls to do something like that. I would that it would be it'd be kind of exciting, mm-hmm. but I don't think they will. I'm totally digging the Commonwealth storyline. I love that Yukimo got to show some brains in this episode, and I enjoyed her talking down to those two shitheads. Well, 
The only problem I have is that those two uh, thrills that you got are uh, at opposition for me because talking down to those two shitheads um, is not smart and it kind of undercut all the other kind of cool lawyer stuff that she was doing. Um, But uh, that's just me. William P. I'm listening to your podcast and something you brought up was Orange Guard saying something about Magenta Swarm. When I first heard it, I thought, what? But I... I think I finally figured out after thinking about it. I'm one of the five or eight viewers of the Watching Dead World Beyond or Walking Dead World Beyond, and something they do in that series is spray paint hordes of zombies to see their migratory paths. May not be exactly what it's meant, but I think it's the closest mm. meaning I can think of. That's kind of cool. Yeah. I is, is there are there do they talk about magenta swarms? Like it's like hurricane, you know, there's the magenta swarm is is coming in through Oceanside and it just knocked all the grass huts down. It's, it's complete devastation. Yeah. Um, I assumed he was either talking about his uh, raging boner or he was talking about <laughs> seeing red, swarm. you know, similar to Negan, right? Yeah. I, I, or like maybe they just like prefix everything with colors. The orange guard says magenta swarm mm. about the white bathroom. He's going to go into the, uh, I don't know, relaxing blue, hamburger lounge what is this reservoir later yeah i don't know i don't know it's 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 it was a weird quirk i feel like it i feel okay i actually think it was supposed to make him seem to betray that like something uh that that um king ezekiel's characterization of him a meathead was wrong like you know he's flashing out the magic like this like he's being poetic talking about his you know, redding out with a zombie herd and talking about these magenta swarms that may, that seems it gives him the soul of the poet. I, I think they're going to develop him along those lines. So right. I don't know, but I, that's the thing is that line doesn't really sell it, you know? Yeah. It was just weird in context because I could see liking a character like that, but also this guy didn't seem like that at the time. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, PJ from Kansas City, new listener to podcast. Really enjoy things. I love hearing that. I hope we don't run you off, but uh, I, I like hearing that we got we're we're attracting new new people here in the eleventh season. One beef I have with the whole Negan is an absolute villain narrative is the basis for why he killed Glenn and Abraham at the request of all time scumbag Gregory. Rick and company raided a savior outpost and took dozens of Negan's guys out. Many while they're sleeping. Mm-hmm. In turn, Negan exacts revenge for those killings, and he's been the ultimate bad guy because viewers like Glenn from episode one. Any rationale for his actions never stood a chance based on who we we're seeing the story through. I actually think that's one of the points that the show made somewhat successfully. Um, in that one Michonne arc where she kind of went through the spirit quest and saw how easily she could have turned yeah. into a Negan person. Um, it reminded me a lot of like The Last of Us 2, where you play one side of the story and you are so hot to see these people die. Holy fuck. And if the game works correctly, you then flip perspectives and you play the other hat and then you're fucking conflicted Mm -hmm. and you're like, Oh damn, I don't know if this is like this revenge tale is going to be quite as much fun when you get, go back to the original POV and have a chance to, to, to um, enact it. So I actually, yeah, I, I think that's actually something smart that the walking dead has done. And the Kang era, is some of those missed opportunities where, you know, have we become the baddies, uh, which there's, it's not, there's been none of those times where Rick and company are like, Jesus Christ, this is fucked up. But uh, I I think that was one that they successfully reclaimed and and did something nice with. 
Yeah, makes sense. I definitely missed that uh, if that's what they were doing. So yeah, thanks for bringing that up because it does it does put a little perspective on things. I do think there's fundamental differences, even if you mm-hmm. like agree with Rick's methods being, you know, because they're still killing brutally, you know, like it's war. It's not a game. You you press every advantage, you kill people in their sleep if you can. But like there's a difference between what ends they're trying to justify here. You know, like Rick's group time and time again just wants to return back to like baseline normality where families can love each other and, you know, people can flourish and and be protected and all that kind of stuff. Whereas Negan has got this, I don't know, feudal slave empire that he's building. Like there's there's definitely differences in in the in the ends of the two things. It's like, you know, yeah, Rick did the same, a lot of same shit the Whisperers got up to as well. But fuck, man, I would not want to. I don't want the whispers to win. I don't want them to prevail in an all out yeah. war. So their philosophy is a broken. Yeah. And even Negan at this point, like it's it's hard to defend Negan like as like just in a moral vacuum because he himself has waved the white flag. Like, no, that's fucked up. I shouldn't have done that. That was the wrong way to go. That was mm-hmm. inconsistent with my. Yeah. So like it's 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 hard to, to for me to take that. Here are the highlights coming up this week on Bald Move. For Prestige, me and Aaron are still extending our Shogun Afterglow with part three of our discussion of the 1980s TV miniseries. Last week absolutely shocked our sensibilities with Lord Toronaga doing the tango. What delights and horrors will await us this week? Then for Pulp, this Friday, join us for our latest prep session for House of the Dragon Season 2 as we take another look at the key differences between the text of Fire and Blood the on-screen action for season one and what they mean for the characters, story, and setting. Get your Valerian steel sharpened for the new season. You can find these and many other great podcasts by searching for Bald Move Pulp or Bald Move Prestige in your favorite podcast app. getting geared up for the 6th annual Summer Badass Fest. And while we're working on a slate of apex badass films to enjoy, we've got an early action-packed announcement to make. Just like last year, we're kicking off Badass Season with a live movie watch and podcast recording. We've rented out a theater for connoisseurs of action films and bald move fans that just want to have a great time. Unlike last year, this year's movie is top secret. Hush, hush. No hints. Except, it's incredibly badass. It stars an absolute icon of the genre. We're willing to bet most of you haven't seen it, and it's going to be an incredible viewing experience with a packed house of bald movers. Those of you who came to last year's screening of Total Recall know what a party it was. And those of you who didn't, (laughs) now's your chance to experience it. Meet me and Jim. Order some custom movie-themed drinks at the theater's full bar. Then watch us record the full podcast for the movie. We reserved a venue over twice the size as last year, but seating is still limited. It's happening Friday, 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 June 21st at 7 p.m. in our hometown of Cincinnati. Get full details and buy tickets at baldmove.com slash live. Cincinnati's actually a pretty great city to visit, and we've got lots of details for side adventures on our event page as well. The Reds are playing the Boston Red Sox in their fantastic Riverside Stadium. The thrills of Kings Island just minutes away, and I'll be leading a kayak trip down the scenic Little Miami River on Saturday. 
Again, get full details and get your tickets now on our Badass Fest 6 page at baldmove.com slash live live. Madman and father of Mad Max, George Miller, is back with another apocalyptic tale from the Australian wastelands. This time we're getting a prequel featuring the origin story of Charlize Theron's character Furiosa, starring the Queen's Gambit's Anya Taylor-Joy in the title role and the mighty Thor Chris Hemsworth as the warlord Dr. Dementis. Furiosa promises more high-octane, slightly radioactive action and fun. Furiosa drives into theaters on May 24th, and we'll have our spoiler-free thoughts and impressions of the film, as well as a discussion of trailers and upcoming movies for everyone. But if you want to ride with us the full length of the podcast on the eternal highways of Valhalla, shiny and chrome, you're going to have to be a club member. Join today at support.baldmove.com. Get our full discussion of Furiosa and many more first-run films, plus tons of other bonus podcasts and ad-free feeds. Support.baldmove.com. Um, Randy says, here's an interesting exchange in this week's Talking Dead between Josh McDermott and Lauren Cohen. The fraudulent Talking Dead, not the actual Talking Dead. That's two nice Canadian guys uh, talking yeah. into a podcast each week. The, the fraudulent, uh, stolen, uh, the, that, that, watching de- that Walking Dead talk show is what I'm going to call it now. Uh, Josh was saying how shitty it was for Maggie to not even try to save Gage. And Lauren was trying to explain why Maggie decided to do what she did. At one point, he praised Lauren for being so committed to her character that she would defend Maggie's behavior, even though she doesn't agree with it. <laughs> Josh, damn. What, what I think he was really doing was trying to say how bad the writing was without mm-hmm. directly saying it. Uh, I don't think I've ever seen that before in The Talking Dead. Oh, my God. Um, I might have to start watching The Talking Dead. Well, I'm sorry, that that uh, wa- Walking Dead talk show. Yeah. If there this stuff is starting to happen because. It's funny because like well, I've we talked about this before, like we've gone to, you know, Walking Dead conventions and behind the scenes and on panels. The actors sometimes have really good reasons for some of the bewildering things that they've done. Mm-hmm. And it seems like that's a hobby for them is to get together over to craft services, be like, why the fuck am I doing this? And then to invent like background details. Well, you know, if uh, Tyrese went through this, then it would and it makes all a bunch of sense. The problem is we don't see that. Like, you know, we, we don't we don't get that in any way. But I also it, it kind of explains why sometimes the actors performances are consistently amazing, even mm-hmm. though they got shitty material, because their motivations are still making sense to them. And they're not just like, you know, switching off. But uh, <laughs> maybe it's maybe they're stretched to the breaking point now. I don't know. It could be. It could also be that Josh is not privy to the stuff that Lauren has been privy to as far as. You know, talking with the director, talking with the writers about her character specifically, and then whatever they had told her about her character didn't quite make it onto screen either. Yeah. And so, you know, Josh is is talking about what's on screen, and Lauren is talking about what is in her head and what came from the directors and writers, and those things don't match up. That could be possible. Is but it yeah, as, as the- shown on screen, I'm with I'm with him. I, whew, it's rough. Is it telling that you described him as being privy to, which, of course, privy is just another word for shithouse. Yeah, I hope they're measuring Josh's shits. Uh, (laughs) Consistency, volume and girth. Yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) 
it's I got to think that that's yeah, that's I, I it'll be interesting to see if they keep having him back because like, I don't know, AMC doesn't seem to be cool with people poking that kind of fun about them. But uh, yeah, we'll see. Um, David, I want you know what I want to see. I want to see Chris's hard Chris Hardwick's face. Let's see Chris's Hardwick. Chris's Hardwick when that's happening, because <laughs> it's got to be like, do they ever just cut to him and he's over there? loving it or is he like oh yeah because that's the thing is like chris hardwood buried underneath the many layers of uh, well-tested likability is kind of a black-hearted troll a bit certainly a bit like like his like he's he's got a bit of a, and i yeah there's got to be something where like the only the sick only the six zeros on the check is keeping him from just like incandescing with glee yeah <laughs> right. right that's pretty that's pretty fucking funny all right, let's. Uh, we got the hammer. The final email here is David, who sent in to watchingdeadaballmove.com. The Walking Dead is the zombie. It's pretty much limped onwards and eaten any other living zombie media. It has none of the life, creativity, or social commentary of so many zombie movies or series. Walking Dead is just just lopes in and eats people's dying brains. Maybe it's genius. <laughs> Parenthetically, it says I do like the podcast, but I don't think the Walking Dead is worthy of you anymore. Well, what it what was is? for a while. What what is what is worthy from this kid from Backwoods, Indiana, to come out of the swamp and and uh, talk about anyway? Probably uh, just about anything. I don't. Yeah, I don't I think don't anything's know. much is beneath me. Whether I yeah. enjoy it or not, that's another. Uh, yeah, like I said, I the thing is, these are <sighs> the unfortunate thing is the last eight episodes of The Walking Dead have been about one and a half good to to excellent two and a half forgettable and the rest bad as it's ever been mm-hmm. um and i can have fun like you know just talking and laughing and obviously like i like you guys are even taking it further than than than, than i am at this point um where you're like way down we're you're way down bad at this show and you're like just like and i love it it's hilarious you know it's it's cracking me up um but they need to have a couple of good ones where I can kind of re-engage with the characters and get, and then not, and honestly the, the thing that I'm still fully engaged with is the, uh, the, uh, the, the, I want to keep calling the Confederacy. Cause I just know Commonwealth. It's got the, the Commonwealth. <laughs> yeah. This I don't is feel not good reservation dogs. This is not going to turn. No, it's, it's, uh, I, I think, yeah, I, I, I'm still connected with that, but Oh man, the, they've really, They've really butchered the transition between the storytelling of the whisperers to this, which I think sucks because I thought they did really good with the transition from uh, pre whisper to to whisper, you know, like that uh, getting rid of. They had a lot to do in season nine. They get to say goodbye to uh, Rick and they had to do the flash forward and they had to like set up a whole new world and an antagonist and all that kind of stuff. And I thought they did that so well. And they're just really didn't say, I mean, and, and maybe it's just they ran. They just couldn't. They just fucked up and they wanted to tell the story of these things being sacked and the pandemic and budget cuts. I, I don't know. But like, it's just been really rough ever since that transition, ever since Alpha died. Uh, the show hasn't quite known what the fuck to do with itself. Um, I mean, maybe that's the thing you just if you have a lot of stuff to do. Uh, you have that momentum and it's very easy to sort of write those things because they're exciting events and yeah. there's a lot of stuff to get through. So you can't waste any time. And then when you don't have that, well, now shit, what do we do? I have this problem all the time. I, I'm a lot of the time in my life. I'm very busy 
and I'm just head down getting things done and I feel that and I understand like, oh, okay, this is just my life right now. And then sometimes I'll have downtime for like a week Mm -hmm. at a time and I'm like, fuck, what do I do with this time? What do I do with it? Like, I, I'm not, I'm not going to do more of the work that I always have to do. So what do I do? And maybe with the writing, they're in that place where it's like, well, what do we do now? We don't really have anything that we have to do Mm -hmm. except get this to the finish line. But what does that look like? Yeah. And the other thing I worry about is like, you know, a lot. I don't know. I don't know still anything about the comic books. Um, I stopped reading uh, right around the middle of the Negan stuff. Right. Or no, is right at the beginning of the Whispers arc. That's where I stopped reading. Um, And I think part of my enjoyment has been improved is just I don't know what's coming. So like even if uh, if something's not handled worse, I didn't see the better way is done in the comics. So it's like, okay. Um, But I do worry that this Reaver plot line, like this is something people have been writing in for well, ever since we started talking about ever since the last last season, last eight weeks or so. It just feels like such a retread, man. Like the yeah. Commonwealth is is super interesting, mm-hmm. but the Reavers are just what a more bloodthirsty, amoral savior gang. Oh yeah. no, do they eat people? Oh, the horror! We've mm-hmm. never seen something like that before. It's just like dumb. They even look dumb. Like they're they're full on yeah. like trash people, except for they kill. So like, I don't know. I that that's the thing. It's like just just get rid of the Reavers and and go into the. But maybe the Reavers are some kind of like really important fulcrum that pushes the group into the arms of the Commonwealth and makes them sign a deal with the death. Because again, I feel like there's something sinister about the Commonwealth. Maybe that's a misdirect. Maybe we'll end with the the Alexanders being the assholes that don't want to embrace future and change. That could be interesting. I just think that this, this Reavers is just going to be rough mm-hmm. um, because it's, it's just not that interesting. Um, I agree. I'm looking forward mostly to what happens when Eugene and company uh, decide, Hey, this is a place that we would like to live and Alexandria desperately needs this. So let's go back and try and convince him to come here. Yeah. I mean, especially yeah. like does Ezekiel make that journey? Is the group going to listen to Eugene, Yumiko, and Princess, who they've never met? Who they've if never they come met back and, and say, like hey, this is a great person, place, yeah. let's go? Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I don't know. I, I'm like, excited to see that. Yeah, what kind of emissaries would the Commonwealth send? Like, is it going to look like, hey, I know these storm guys look like thuggish yeah. fascist stormtroopers, but trust me, they got top-notch medical care. Right. You know, they might disappear families in dirty mattress cages, but boy, they got they got they got toilet paper. Yeah. TP. It is. That's yeah. How are they going to do that? How are they going to sell that? And because, you know, is the group still going to be split at that point? Are they going to have to go out to Meridian and try and get the group that might be out there still and get them to the Commonwealth? There's a lot of logistical stuff that I'm interested in. Um, right. And that's kind of like also what if you go, you know, like this, this daring heist to, you know, feed the uh, your families and then you get back in the Commonwealth and its power and it's and it's food and it's already there. And you did all this. And you lost these people for no reason at all. Yeah. Like that. That's like all really interesting stuff. But um, and I hope they lean into those type of things rather than just, oh, no, a scarier version yeah, of these reapers, the cleavers and arrows and guns. I got guns this time. Oh, yeah. God. Yeah. I thought we were done with that in this final season. Like, well, why do we need that again? This is a time for building to the finale, not repeating the same patterns. Well, I mean, I guess it would be a baller entrance for the, for the Confederacy. 
I'm telling you, there's a reason. There's got to be a reason that I'm wanting to go in that direction. The Commonwealth. It'd be a pretty baller answer for the Commonwealth to just like, you know, like the Alexandrians are ready to die because the fucking Reavers are going to reave them. And they just roll in with like, I don't know, up armored Humvees and 50 calibers and just in the battle in like a, in a, in a, like a one minute battle sequence. It's like, you know, the, the, the end of the last samurai and like, yeah. Oh, well, this is why like that. That would be a lot of people rushing into the arms of the Commonwealth without thinking it through. So it could be just mm-hmm. like these are literally, you know, like 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 literally a mechanism to just get to Alexander. And it's a believable one, too. Like, I think that would work. You know, you'd be yeah. so relieved that, oh, my God, we're going to survive, we're going to live. Uh, we're going to be protected that uh, you might not notice the individual liberties and the other shit that's going on. But we'll see. That's like I said. I'm not giving up hope uh, just because it's been a little, little, a uh, bit of a rough ride. Yeah. Um, but uh, we'll, we'll see because, you know, we're still 22 episodes to go. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is it for our show today. If you've got a take, if you got a hot take, did you like to see racked uh, for our call of the week, our gym clone of the week, then send it into watching dead at bald and uh, we'll, we'll rack it. We'll rack it. I think Nicole's got the the, the rack call of the week. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is the, yeah. We're, we'll forget all of this. Uh, we'll forget all of this by next week. Don't worry oh, about yeah. it. But do but do send in your takes to Watching Dead at BaldMove.com. I'd love to read them. We'll be back next week again. We record these shows every week Wednesday on Twitch.tv/BaldMove live at 1 p.m. If you want to see us record it, or it comes out a day or two afterwards. Uh, we will see you back this weekend Sunday night around nine o'clock in the evening. Uh, to talk about the third episode, we'll see if we can uh, get some headway on some of these issues that we're that, that, that we've been worried about. Uh, hope to see you back then. Watching that at baldmove.com. We'll talk to you next week. Later. Mm-hmm.